Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Amen. I love that passage. I didn't know we were going to see that from Ephesians today, but we are called to be the light of the world. Do you believe that? And that's what this uh, missions conference has been all about. We're going to ask God to bless and we'll open in prayer. Pastor Eric's going to come and lead us today. But thank you so much for being here and thank you for setting this time out of your week to honor and worship the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. We ask and pray, Lord, that you'd meet with us today in a very real and special way. Draw each of us closer, Lord, to you. We pray, Lord, for those watching on the live stream as well. Help them there to sense your presence in their lives. We pray, Lord, for those that may be here this morning that are without Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would move in their heart, that you would help them to see their need of Jesus, the precious blood that was shed. Whether they're here or again, whether they're watching, we pray for souls to be saved and lives to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What we just uh, prayed about salvation is the most important thing in the life of every person. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And so if you're new to our church, and or maybe even if it's your first time with us, or if you're watching, this church exists ultimately for the glory of God. We want our church to bring God glory. But we do that by fulfilling his mission. And that is to tell everyone, both here and around the world, that Jesus is the only way. But not only is he the only way, but he is a wonderful way. He's a wonderful savior. And if there's any doubt in your heart that you know Jesus as your savior, I'd encourage you to settle that today. We're going to be speaking a lot about missionaries and getting the gospel uh, to the uttermost parts of the world, but you might be here today in this little part of the world, and you need Jesus as your Savior. So I want you to just have your heart be open and listen to what God has for you. So today, uh, again, if you're new to our church, there are going to be some things that we do as a church family, because this is there's some church family business that we talk about at Missions Conference. And we talk about our faith promise commitment and all of that. But it's, we do all that because we care about souls. And we've, we try to have the heart of Jesus for lost people who need Christ as their Savior. If you were here during the Sunday School uh, hour, we had a presentation from one of our missionaries, Dan Bergman. And uh, Dan is the one who has the display table. Out. Dan, if you would just stand so everybody can see who you are, sir. Uh, if you weren't here in the morning, in the earlier session, Dan is a digital evangelist. And um, we thank you for your word this morning. You can go ahead and be seated. He'll be at his display table. I want to encourage you to get one of his prayer cards. But he has a unique ministry of sharing the gospel on social media. And it's really incredible. 
And I saved one video for this morning. This is just about a minute and a half long. But I thought this video would be good for the main service because it reminds us that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the way. Have you ever seen this Oprah video? <laughs> Not that one, this one. One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way. There are millions of ways to be a and human how being. And, and many ways, no, but many paths to what you call God. Her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. I there could possibly, possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? There is one way and only one way and there that is through Jesus. There couldn't possibly be one. There are not many ways or many paths to God. There's one way. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh under the Father, but by me. Jesus was saying that he is the only way. If there was some other way, why would Jesus have to have died? The Bible says there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the door, that he is the way to the Father. He is the way to have reconciliation with God, forgiveness, and a home in heaven. And he made this possible through his death burial and resurrection for our sins, dying on our behalf, paying our penalty, so that we could be saved through putting our faith in Him. If you want to know more how you can be saved, send me a message. I want to help you. And videos like that are going all over the world. We heard testimony of people that are finding salvation in Christ in the Middle East, in Africa, and right here in North America. So that's the message. There's only one way. And we have all had the privilege of hearing and finding that hope. And Missions Conference is all about getting that message across the world. And we'll introduce to you our last speaker of our Missions Conference. And it's our good friend. And really, there's, uh, there's a few pastors in my life that have had a huge impact on me. Obviously, first and foremost is my dad and just watching his faithfulness over the years uh, at this church and in our home. It was my dad that instilled in me and my family a love for missionaries. And we would have missionaries in our home. We would talk to missionaries. And I know he's told testimony that it was his parents that loved missionaries and would have missionaries in their home. So... Um, but there's other, I have other fathers in the faith, and there's several pastors in New England that have had a huge impact on my life. And one of those, uh, toward the top of the list, is Pastor Bruce Patterson. And he has, he faithfully pastored the Northside Baptist Church in um, St. Albans, Vermont, for how many years was it, brother? For 25 years. And just wonderful testimony. He was a public school teacher in the church. And the church needed a fill-in pastor after their pastor left. And he filled in and just kept filling in for 25 years. And uh, the Lord just established a church there. And he'd be the first to share with you he did not go to Bible college. He uh, had a totally different path for his life. But isn't, isn't it amazing how God interrupts our plans sometimes to put us right where he wants us? And that happened. And we're so glad it did. And then at some time in his pastorate, the Lord interrupted his day with some Filipino pastors who he shared the testimony last night that just would not let him go. And ever since 2001, 
He's been making trips to the Philippines, and I think 15 trips, 14 or 15, yeah, uh, and we have helped support many of those trips, and we're going to have a part this year in raising money for Bibles for the Philippines uh, coming up for his trip next year. And so it's just an awesome ministry the Lord has given him, and he's somebody that doesn't just preach about missions, but he has modeled it and lived it for his entire Christian life. And so we are just honored that you would spend this time with us and now in his retirement, still serving the Lord. And um, we learned that on Friday night. If you missed the message on Friday night, go back. It's on Facebook. It'll be on YouTube shortly. Uh, uh, missionary church planner Ben Hamilton encouraged us, whatever age we're at, whether you're a child or an adult or even in your retirement, there's no, there's no time to stop serving God. And that's the testimony Pastor Bruce Patterson. We're glad to have his wife Sharon with us as well, who's faithfully uh, been by his side all these years. So, Brother Bruce, come and just preach to us what God has put on your heart today, sir. Well, I could get emotional, and it's very hard right now. I'm on the edge right now. I cry easy. I cry when I preach about Christ. And I cry when I think about the church and uh, some of the people in this church I've come to know over the years. Um, we talked about missions. Uh, my sister was the first one in our family to get saved. Somebody supported a campus ministry at UVM, and she got saved. Uh, Don Ruth was sent by other churches supporting him to Winooski to start a church. She got my parents to attend that church and they got saved. And they were a big part of Faith Baptist Church in its very beginning in Winooski. And then a few years later, about 1978, 79, 81, maybe 81, uh, my parents read an ad in the paper that there was Another missionary who was coming to St. Albans, Vermont, wanted to start a church. So they got hold of him. And Northside Baptist Church started their living room as a Bible study. And then it was a rented storefront. And then we bought our first building. And then we built another building. And all that time, I was their persecutor. One Thanksgiving, I even told my mom if she didn't stop talking to me about Christ. She would never see her grandkids again. She just stood there, started crying. Broke my heart. I said I would never go to her church again. I'd been there a couple times and there was an evangelist coming. Norm Frank. Some of you have been around a hundred years, know who Norm is. And uh, he sang. And he preached the message on John 3.16 in the Romans Road. I told my wife on the way down, they're going to give an invitation, so don't you get out of your seat. Those are my words to my wife. Don't you get out of your seat. And he preached that simple message, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart. I knew I was lost. I knew I was on my way to hell. And he said everybody was seated, heads bowed, eyes closed. And he says, you want to get saved, stand up. Now, I knew people were peeking. 
And it, was, it took a real movement of faith for me to stand up, but I couldn't stay in my seat any longer because the Holy Spirit was saying to me, today's the day. I'd heard an invitation before and rejected. I'd heard it again and rejected. And it was like the Holy Spirit was saying to my heart, today's the day. So I stood up. And in my mind, I'm thinking, my wife's going to think I'm an absolute idiot for doing this. And then Brother Norm said, open your eyes and come forward. And I opened my eyes. My wife was standing beside me. Neither one of us knew the other one had stood up. We, we got saved together, but independently. And that day we trusted Christ as my Savior. And things have never been the same. So missions, church planters in North Adams and in Winooski and in St. Albans is how we came to faith in Christ. So how can I not preach the gospel? How can I not have a special love for missions? My early love for missions started out with Pastor Eric. 1994, I think it is, we went to Mexico together. Tim Taylor, Jim Lake, Eric, me, and uh, Dave Pagani from Jim Lake's church, the five of us. I'm totally surprised that they looked in the van and saw the five of us had led us into the country. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> but we spent a week with Jerry Collins down there in Mexico. And seeing the sacrifice of that family for Christ just amazed me. Because he was talented enough to go to a church in the States and be a pastor and get a real good salary. And instead, he's living in Mexico, trusting churches like this to send him support faithfully each month so that they can stay on the field. Just touched my heart. And then those Filipinos showed up in summer 2000. And those three guys, we worked together on our church building for five weeks. They stayed in our house. We ate together. We prayed together. We just loved and hugged each other and uh, ended up having a special relationship with the Philippines. So I'm here as an ambassador for the Philippines. Uh, Tim Taylor gave me that title because I was always calling him and asking for money for New Testaments, asking him, hey, we got this Filipino missionary, can you have him for the evening service, you know, and, and stuff like that. And he proclaimed that I was the ambassador for the Philippines within our fellowship. And you know, that's a, a title I will gladly accept. Uh, if you're looking for a Filipino missionary to support, I can give you names. Uh, some of them are guys that will never come to the United States and raise money, but I have personally been to their place. I know their heart. I know their work. I got some good guys that could use some support. 50 or or $100 a month would literally change their lives. And you would be their only supporting church. You know, or maybe you and us. Because they don't have a whole lot of supporting churches. They have a special relationship over there. So as I come this morning to preach at your mission conference, I want you to know that I am deeply honored to be here uh, and, and humbled for this opportunity. Uh, as we consider the Philippines, I said last night, I'm shooting for 25,000 New Testaments 
Last year we had 24,000. We ran out at the end of nine days of distributing Bibles. 24,000 New Testaments put in the hands of mostly high school students, young college students, their teachers, their administrators. Each one hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Clear presentation. A message that anybody could preach that knows the gospel. It's not me. It's, I, I don't get into those schools because of me. I get into those schools to preach the gospel because of the New Testaments that you help to provide. If I didn't have those New Testaments, they would have no, no interest in having some guy from America come in and preach to their kids. But because we have the New Testaments, it has opened doors all throughout northern Mindanao and been a great opportunity. And I would, I would ask you to pray for me. I've only recently made that commitment to go back in 2024. I have some health issues that uh, make it hard to be on a foreign field, especially in the, in the Philippines. Uh, I don't do well with heat. In 2019, when Sharon was with me the last time, uh, I was uh, going to preach in the church. It was 107 degrees outside. And in the church, with no AC and about four fans, it was probably at least 110, 112. Literally, I just sweat. Just I do not wear shoes in the Philippines. I wear sandals. If I, I wore shoes the first time, they got wet the first time I preached, and they never dried out for a month. <laughs> and so it was just the whole time it was there. So I just wear sandals. Uh, I mean, by the way, flip-flops over there, slippers, that's what they all wear anyway. But, and, uh, you know, it, it, so enduring that heat coming from Vermont, Lord, why did you send me to Alaska or something? You know, that would be cool. But uh, just put a burden on my heart for there. And the poverty is tough. I mentioned a, a little twin baby that died uh, when I was in Mindanao the last time in the States. She would have got surgery, and then they would have figured out how to pay for it later. Over there, if you can't pay for it ahead of time, you don't get in the hospital. When I had my appendix out in 2011, I was not admitted to the hospital until Pastor Rolando Pukong proved that he could pay for my surgery. Because my health insurance, credit cards, nothing worked over there. He had to promise. Matter of fact, he paid my bill so I could get out. And then I repaid him after I got back home. So it's a different culture over there. And that really, the, the pollution, the poverty, the heat, but the fruit makes it worthwhile. The fruit makes it worthwhile. So today we're getting into a message on God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. We're going to read the text in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start reading in verse 6. I'm having a hard time seeing right now. I don't know why my eyes are leaking, but they are. We're going to start reading verse 9 and go down through 15. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word, if you are able But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
Every man according as he has purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministered seed to the sower both ministered bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you with exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for this unspeak for his unspeakable gift. Father God, as we get into your word this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what I could never do. We understand that it's your Holy Spirit that is the teacher today. It's your Holy Spirit that will take your holy word and work in our heart in a special and unique way for each and every individual that's here or listening to this message on live stream, Lord. Only you can do that. Only you can do that. And we pray, God, that you would do a great work among us this morning. Give us a great understanding of this thing called Faith Promise Missions and our opportunity that we have to be part of your program. Whether it's going, whether it's praying, whether it's giving. That we would do our part in your mission program to fulfill the Great Commission. For your honor and for your glory, Father God. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And through the power of your Spirit and through the power of your Word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, if, if you heard something that was just like the best and most exciting thing that you had ever heard, you would want to share it with somebody. And each one of us, if you've been in church very long, you can probably go back through the history of your life and find that message that really impacted your life. Of course, there's a salvation message when we were saved. Maybe it was in a church, maybe it was one-on-one, -on -one, maybe it was on the internet. But you came to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with a heart of repentance, you trusted Jesus, your Savior. I hope that's the greatest message that you ever heard. You hold on to that for all of your eternal life. But then there's other messages that follow salvation. 
One of those for me was a testimony of Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. My pastor preached that message, and my wife can, and daughters can testify to this. That message changed our lives in our homes. We dedicated ourselves that we were going to serve the Lord. Faithfully, we were going to serve the Lord. But then there was another one. This old preacher, Pastor Jim Bernard, came to Northside Baptist Church over 40 years ago. And he preached the message from Luke 6.38. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Luke 6.38 says this, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You cannot outgive God. Brother Kernard preached that message and he used talking about tithing to support your local church, talking about special offerings that come up where there's a special need, so we take an offering, and also talking about faith promise giving. Now, my wife and I were baby Christians. I don't even know if we're even members of Northside Baptist Church yet when we heard this message. But I was so convicted after that message that we went home. We had two little girls. I was a teacher. Public school teachers were not making much money in those days. My wife was not working because we made the decision that she was going to stay home with the kids. That's a decision we made. So there wasn't much money coming in, and yet there was a lot of bills coming in. The house payment, the car payment, and all the other stuff. You need electricity and, you know, a few things like that. We didn't have to worry about internet in those days or getting a cell phone. But we talked about that message that afternoon. And we went back to the service that night and we put our first tithe and face promise into the offering by faith. Because if we looked at the numbers, this was a stupid thing to do because we were just barely making it week to week as it was. It was a stupid thing to do. And yet, by faith, we gave it. Now, I got to do a little supplemental story. We went looking to trade our car because the other car was about ready to fall apart. This was a couple years prior to this message. And we went to Dick Wright's Ford in Franklin, Vermont. And we were looking at a nice family car. And my daughters, who were like four and six, maybe, or three and five, I don't know. They fell in love with this little white Mustang. Now, don't think, vroom, vroom, vroom. no, four-cylinder, but it was four-speed on the, on the floor, you know, so it was a pretty cool little car, and we oh, we aren't getting that thing. We got that thing. <laughs> so we had this cool little 
Mustang that we're tooling around in, and we didn't go very far in those days, and we didn't need a lot of luggage space, which was a good thing. But that thing had developed an issue, and inspection was coming up. And when you put on the, the direction light to turn to the right, the lever would stay there, but the light would shut off. And they were just starting in those days to put wiring harnesses, you know, that everything was attached to. And the mechanic says, it's not your switch. It's something in the wiring harness. And this could cost $100, $150 to go in there, figure out what the problem is, and fix it. Because it's going to take a long time to figure out what's short and what out. God is my witness. We left that service on Sunday evening. We drove up the top of Kingman Street. I put on my direction light, and it worked. And it worked until we traded that car years later. Now, I'm not saying God's going to fix your car if you give to faith promise today, but he could. I remember old Richard Rawls, some of you know Richard Rawls, he, he did our mission conference and pastor's fellowship for years, I'm like 25 years. We would combine the mission conference and the pastor's fellowship. And he would lean over there and he'd close one eye like he was shooting at you with a rifle. And he would say with that southern, you can't help give God. Of course, his southern drawl was a lot better than mine. You give with a teaspoon, and God will give with a tablespoon. You give with a tablespoon, and God will give with a shovel. Press down, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? That's a promise for this life, not the next life. Shall men give into your bosom? You cannot outgive God. And we believe that message, and we've lived that message for the last 40 plus years. And I stand here today as a testimony. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Just look at our text this morning. The main idea for the text this morning is God loves a cheerful giver. How can I say that? Because the Bible says it. God loves a cheerful giver. Those that give will receive. Those that sow will reap. The saints will be blessed. And God will be glorified. There was a special offering back in this day that was being taken up among the Gentile churches to support the suffering saints back in Jerusalem. Titus was one of the, the favorite preachers of the Corinthian church, and he and the team of men were going from church to church to take up this offering that already been to the churches in Macedonia. Think Philippi, Thessalonica, up in that area. And now they were moving down into Achaia, where the church of Corinth was located. It seems that Paul had already collected the money in Macedonia. He, when he did that, he boasted to those churches of Macedonia about the churches in Achaia and what great givers he wanted. And he says in his text that he wants to make sure that this Corinthian church is not embarrassed, ashamed is the word that he uses, when they come to get the offering and it might not be ready. So he's sending a letter ahead to warn them, 
to prepare them to take this offering. And from this background, backdrop, he launches into this beautiful passage on giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6.15. The first point is the giver sows bountifully. Verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. I mean, that makes sense. Up in our areas, we get a lot of, of farmers, and they get a lot of cows. If they went out and put two seeds of corn in their field, guess what? They'd get two stalks of corn. But when they plant their fields in the spring, man, they sow acres of seed, and you know what they get? Acres of corn, unless the flood hits and washes them out, as happens to some of them this summer. We used to make maple syrup, and some of you have been our maple syrup customers. We're done right now. But if I put one tap in the tree and just have one tap, guess what? There wouldn't be a whole lot of syrup. But with 2,000 taps, we were able to provide you and others with syrup. For us, it was a bountiful harvest in our little operation that we had. So it just makes sense. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, then you're going to reap bountifully. So cheerful givers give bountifully. And we do not have to be rich to sow bountifully. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 8 just for a minute. Back one page. Uh, maybe not even back a page. Verses 1 to 5. This is the testimony of these churches that were up in Macedonia. Moreover, brethren, we do wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Giving is by faith an evidence of God's grace being poured out on the church. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. You read about these churches, the book of Acts, they suffered great persecution, and yet they gave liberally from their poverty. For to their power, I bear record, yea, beyond their power, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They gave willingly of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first they gave themselves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And I like that last verse because it incorporates faith promise. We give ourselves unto the Lord. As your pastor said, the gifts that come in are unto the Lord, but also unto this local church who decides where that gift is going to go. Which missionaries we can support at this time? How many we can support at this time? 